What's happening? John Lund unleashed various sports talk with me, John Lund from KMBR Radio in San Francisco. What the heck time is it anyway? It's 11.20. I just got back from uh, Levi's Stadium, a full day at uh, Levi's. We started the pregame show at about 11 o'clock, so the later start today. But uh, So we had the later finish. But I got down to the stadium about 9 o'clock, out on the field, did all the social media stuff. And then the uh, the game started, obviously, did the pregame show. And uh, just finished up with Dennis Brown and Adam Copeland on KNBR, the postgame show. So any thoughts, any questions, any comments, we can talk about the game itself. I'll take you through that. Plus... Uh, I got to be 100% honest, uh, my son actually sent me a text and uh, gave me a little heads up on the last time Brock Purdy and Jalen Hurts played. So we'll get into that as well. Last time these two teams play, or last two quarterbacks played each other, uh, it was a crazy one. So we'll get into the conversation, we'll get into the way the offense played, defense played, moving on against Dallas. There's a philosophy that, philosophy that I subscribe to if you're a 49ers fan going, whoa, they got to play better than that to beat Philadelphia. So we'll get into all those conversations, but thank you so much for tuning in, even though it is uh, late night, late night on the uh, on the show. Appreciate you hanging out just after 11 o'clock. But like I said, I'm kind of amped up still. It takes me an hour or two to kind of calm down, so I thought I'd get my thoughts out to you and get your thoughts back to me as well. The uh, line is wide open, so again, you can interact any old time. we got the chat line open. If you want to hit me up on Twitter, you can always do that, at John Lund Radio, Twitter, and Instagram. Also, any of the uh, show's, on YouTube, I check them regularly, so if you put the comments under the comments line, I'll make sure that I hit up those as well. So make sure that you uh, hit us up, and uh, much appreciated you hanging out today. Again, the 49ers win 19-12 to over the Cowboys, and so they move on to the NFC Championship game. If you are new to the YouTube channel, thanks for joining. Thanks for hanging out in the chat. Uh, make sure that you subscribe, please, if you're listening on the podcast. By the way, you can listen to the podcast any old time. Uh, you can listen and uh, you can hit up on Apple, Spotify, any of the places that you get your favorite podcasts as well. Again, uh, I was at Levi's Stadium all day long. I can give you the vibe of the stadium. If you want to talk about that, we can get into the game itself. We can get into that conversation, the game, offense, defense, and again, looking ahead to Philly. Uh, make sure you subscribe on the YouTube channel. Subscribe on the podcast as well. I appreciate it. And again, hit me up at John Lund Radio on Twitter and Instagram. Comment section on the YouTube channel. Or I got the live chat going on right now. So any questions, comments, thoughts from anything, the uh, being down at Levi's Stadium, the game itself, or look ahead to Philadelphia, all are fair game on a late night chat as the 49ers win it 19 to 12. Uh, I will pop up some stats. I'll put up uh, the starters and everything, and we'll kind of go through uh, everything. But the, the, the few things just off the top of my head that pop up uh, to me is that Early in the game, I think the game, and again, I, I, I understand that anytime you talk about Brock Purdy and uh, you say anything in a negative sense, is oh, you're hating on Purdy. I got some of that in the postgame. You're hating on Purdy. I'm not. What happens is is that the story is great, and I'm not down on Brock Purdy at all. It's just we're not grading on a curve. He's not great for a seventh-round pick. He's not great for Mr. Irrelevant. You have to be great, period. Uh, was he better than Dak Prescott today? Sure. But Dak Prescott's going home. He's got to be better than Jalen Hurts. He's got to be better than Patrick Mahomes. He's got to be better than Joe Burrow. Now, not all three of those guys, but he's certainly got to be better than or as good as Jalen Hurts. Uh, if he plays in the Super Bowl, he's either got to be better than Patrick Mahomes or Joe Burrow or comparable. Now, I, defend, I know that the defense balled out today and was really, really good, and we'll talk about that. But everybody wants to start talking about Brock Purdy. So, uh, statistically, Brock Purdy was okay. Let me pop up the stats here. I got the uh, the stats 
the stat sheet for you. Uh, as you can see right in front of you, if you're looking on the YouTube channel, Brock Purdy, 19 of 29, 214 yards, sacked a couple of times, 87.5 rating. So let's look at Brock Purdy in a couple of different ways. I'll pop up the stats. I'll keep them coming up. But let's just look at Purdy first of all, 19 of 29, 214, two sacks, no interceptions, and uh, no touchdowns. A couple of things pop out. First of all, and I think you would agree with me, and hit me up on the, uh, on the chat line, at John Lund Radio, Instagram, and Twitter, uh, or on the comment section. You can do it here as well. There's a speed from, as we know, from preseason to regular season, from regular season to the playoffs. The Seahawks don't have the type of athletes that Dallas has. They don't have the type of athletes defensively that Philadelphia is going to show. Dallas had 54 sacks going into that game, and Micah Parsons and uh, Demarcus Lawrence and all the different kind of speed that they have. And Philly takes it to another level. They have 70 sacks. But what you saw t uh, today and tonight from him was, and especially when you saw it, and we talked about this in the pregame show, that little thing he did last week against Seattle, and then he went across the field when he scrambled, and he hit Brandon Ayuk, and Ayuk dropped the ball. I said that was really cool for the highlight reel, but it was one of those things where he went over to the sidelines and Kyle Shanahan said, <laughs> don't ever do that again. Because that's the kind of thing where you're going to turn the ball over can turn the game over. Well, he tried that early in the first possession with the 49ers, uh, was tracked down rather easily and rather quickly, threw the ball away, and then never did that again. And I think what happened is, just like it happened with Seattle, he had an adjustment period in the Seattle game. He had an adjustment period in the Dallas game, but Kyle Shanahan did something smart, which I'll get into in a minute. Now, the negative side is the speed caught up with Brock Purdy, and at times today, he looked like a rookie. There was no question about it, and the speed overwhelmed him at times, especially early in the game, but he still didn't turn the ball over. Dak Prescott turned it over twice. The cardinal sin of a game in the NFL, 80% of the time in the history of the league, the team that wins the turnover battle, even by one, and that's what it was today, two turnovers for the Cowboys, both Dak's interceptions. Ray Ray had a punt return that was almost a killer, but they won plus one in the turnover battle, and I told you in the pregame show, Dallas had forced the most turnovers, 33, and they had recovered the most fumbles, 17. 49ers had the most interceptions, 20, with, with the Steelers. They tied. They got two interceptions. Dallas got a fumble recovery, plus one, and the 49ers won the football game. That's the thing. If you want to look at Brock Purdy and say, okay, he's got to make a, a major adjustment still to the speed of the game against Philadelphia, but... He didn't turn the football over. So I looked at look at that from a positive perspective. They came out in the second half. They threw it a lot in the first half. Came out in the second half, and Kyle Shanahan said, what are we doing? Let's go north-south and start punching these guys in the mouth. They did. Dallas got tired. They didn't rush the passer as well in the second half. They certainly didn't stop the run. They got tired. You could see it. And I thought that Kyle would start the game like that. He did more of that in the second half. Brought in his closer, Elijah Mitchell, and they closed the ball game out. Uh, Christian McCaffrey did have some calf tightness we heard in the post game, but it should be fine. What's interesting is last year in this very game against Dallas in the wild card round, Dallas had no sacks and four quarterback hits the entire game. In the 49ers' first three possessions, Dallas had two quarterback sacks, four quarterback hits, and then they never got a quarterback hit or sacked the rest of the game. So some of that's game planning. Some of that is Brock Purdy going, whoa, I better get rid of the ball and process faster. Some of that has improved offensive line play, but they made the adjustment in a few different ways. And early on, Dallas's pass rush no doubt overwhelmed the 49ers and I think overwhelmed Purdy. And then they made some adjustments, as I said, and they did better as far as, the, uh, as, far as protecting him. But again, he didn't turn the football over. I'm not down on Brock Purdy. I'm simply saying that 
the speed of the game, the other, the another jump in speed got to him early. There's going to be another jump in speed against Philly next week. So that's one thing. We'll get into some more. Uh, some people are hitting up on the uh, on the line. Uh, hola, hello. Uh, is there a way to get, to get Gray Papa sometime in your podcast? Of course. We've talked about it plenty. I'll get him on. Uh, maybe I'll get him on this week. It's the NFC Championship game. We're going to regardless. By the way, we're going to the Super Bowl regardless. I would love to take the 49ers with us. Uh, if the 49ers go, we'll probably be in Arizona about 10 days, uh, starting like Sunday through the next Monday. If they don't go, which let's not talk about that, but then we'll go like Wednesday through Saturday, and we'll have Pop on the podcast all the time. But, yeah, it's a great idea. I'll have Pop uh, on this week. Uh, stay tuned to the YouTube channel and the podcast, and I'll let you know. Good idea. To your, uh, to your mouth, to my ears, and uh, we'll make it happen. Uh, Purdy was pretty good. Are, are we ever going to get tired of Purdyisms? Probably not. Not as long as he's winning. Yeah, like I said, I'll, I'll flash up the stats again. If you're just jumping into the uh, to the podcast and the YouTube channel, welcome. Just doing a little late night go over the 49ers and the Cowboys again. Questions, comments, thoughts. Let me know. Uh, Purdy 19 to 29, as I said, 214, uh, two sacks, no interceptions, no. No turnovers. That's that's the big thing to me. No turnovers didn't put his defense in a hole. He was okay. Uh, like I said, he was okay. And, uh, look, this isn't a rip on him. And I'm not, I'm, I don't grade him on a curve, if you just joined us. I don't grade Brock Purdy on a curve because it doesn't matter where you were picked at this point. Joe Burrow was the number one pick in the draft. Jalen Hurts was a second-round pick. Uh, Patrick Mahomes was the 10th overall pick. I don't care. It doesn't matter. Uh, get the ball to your receivers. You know, it's not like golf. You don't get, hey, you get three strokes on this hole because you were, the, you were, a, you were Mr. Irrelevant. Everybody has to play well now, and it doesn't matter. And you don't grade anybody on a curve. Wow, for a seventh rounder, he's good. You're either good or you're not. Dak Prescott was, what, a fourth rounder? Dak Prescott makes like $35, $40 million. Dak Prescott sucked today. He stunk. He threw the two interceptions. The one to Demo Lenore, I don't know what he was thinking. They got a field goal on that one. Uh, I was in the in the radio booth at the at the time he threw the second one right before the half. And I watched CeeDee Lamb probably in 70% of the plays today from the booth. And he was bracketed by uh, Jimmy Ward and Fred Warner on that play. Ward tipped it. Warner intercepted it. That's why you bracket a guy front and back. He was never open on that play at any point. And those were stupid throws that a veteran quarterback at the age of 29 who's trying to win a playoff game should not make. And it was good Dak and bad Dak. A few weeks ago, the reason why people were optimistic uh, or, or were down on the Cowboys was that Washington beat him and Dak was terrible. Then last Monday night, we saw, wow, I don't want to play this Dallas team. Dak was great. Then Dak went back to bad Dak. It's not as simple as saying Dak played poorly, Dallas lost, but he certainly was a major factor when you have the ball in your hands every single play. It wasn't good. It was terrible. Uh, let's see what else. Da, 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 da. Something was missing on Dallas's part. Uh, I'd rather give uh, credit to the 49ers. I think what happened in the second half, like I said, offensively was they came out and they threw the ball a lot in the first half. Uh, in the second half, they just said, we can smash mouth these guys. They got a ton of speed. Uh, we've got we've to counter that with our power. I think in the second half, Dallas got tired. Uh, the 49ers kept the ball for a long time. That final driver, they got the final field goal. Uh, they kept the ball for over seven minutes in the fourth quarter, and Dallas was gassed. You could see it. And it was just Elijah Mitchell middle, Elijah Mitchell middle, until... He ran to the perimeter and, of course, ran out of bounds, which was a massive mistake. Uh, Dallas got the ball, and, of course, they tried a hook and ladder that was the worst hook and ladder I've ever seen in my life, but it wouldn't even have come to that 
if Elijah Mitchell had gone around that right side and just slid. Once he got the first down, and really even before, you can't go out of bounds in that situation. He's a young back. He got aired out. You can see it on the sidelines, but you can't do that. But back to my original point, Dallas is just tired. They couldn't rush the passer anymore. Um, they couldn't stop the run, even though they were coming right at him. And a lot of people will go, well, how come you just can't stop the run if you know it's coming? Because you're gassed. I mean, you and I wouldn't know this, and maybe you're a much better athlete than I am, but <laughs> when you're tired, it's just not happening. And I don't care how much you get paid, and I don't, know, I don't care how good a shape you're in. It's the end of the year. And the 49ers just pounded it and pounded it and pounded it. And conversely, and it's not all on Dak, you have to give the defense credit, the 49ers for the most part, again, outside of one big play to CeeDee Lamb, who got a 46-yarder over the top and was interfered with by Diaminor Lenore, they just they shut him down. Um, did it help? And I hate to say this, that's the bad that's bad verbiage, but Tony Pollard getting hurt at the end of the second quarter when Jimmy Ward rolled up on his leg, and don't even go back and look at it if you didn't see it. It's disgusting. Uh, he broke his leg, he broke his fibula, and he had a high ankle sprain on that as well. Uh, that changed everything because he was the equivalent to the 49ers. He's their home run hitter out of the backfield. He's their Christian McCaffrey. And then Ezekiel Elliott, I don't even know what Zeke is anymore. He's not even Elijah Mitchell. He's just lost his juice. And so they had to go back to trying to go to Zeke Elliott, and he couldn't carry the running game. Pollard is their big play player. And then all Dak Prescott seemed to look at all day long was CeeDee Lamb, who outside of the 46-yarder, and I'm, you know, you got to count that, but outside of the 46-yarder, was just dink and duck little stuff. And the 49ers were going to give them that all day long. Uh, Dalton Schultz also was targeted 10 times. I was uh, wary of him and even a little bit afraid of him because remember last year, he had seven catches and a touchdown against the 49ers in the playoff game. Last week against Tampa, he had seven catches and two touchdown passes, but he only had three of those 10 targets uh, be caught, and he just wasn't a major factor. And Dak Prescott either through just not being patient enough, not seeing the football field. He just wasn't very good. But give the 49ers credit because before the game, we were talking about, and actually for the last couple of weeks, we've talked about, hey, this is a really good defense, but they're not playing to the level they were earlier this season. And the offense was scoring so many points. Maybe it was just a lax thing. Hey, they're scoring 30, 40 points. We don't have to be as good. But they stepped up tonight, and they looked at Dallas and like, hey, this is going to be a close game. We may have to win this especially given what the offense early on was struggling and the defense did. They absolutely stepped up and won this football game 19-12 to tonight. Uh, give me your thoughts. It is Unleashed, various sports talk with me, John Lund from KMBR Radio in San Francisco. Late night session, taking you through the Cowboys and the 49ers. I'll pop up the stats one more time in just a second. Uh, talked about Brock Purdy. Talked about Dak Prescott. Talked about the, uh, the turnovers. Mitchell, the closer. Talked about that, running out of bounds. Uh, we got into that conversation as well. If you got any questions, comments, or thoughts on the victory, um, as far as the atmosphere itself, if you weren't down at uh, Levi Stadium, beautiful day. Uh, some people talked about how many Cowboys fans there would be. I told you this at the beginning. I've been covering games at Levi Stadium since it opened up in 2014, um, and some people were saying that maybe 40% Cowboys fans, 40% blue. And sometimes if a certain team comes to town, you can't tell because the colors are similar. You can tell blue and red, obviously, and I'm not colorblind. So as I looked over the – and we're at this high perch when, you know, we're in the radio booth and in the media booth, I would have thought maybe 20%, maybe, and 80% uh, Niners fans. They just – they don't sell their tickets to Cowboys fans. And I thought it was – it was big time in favor of uh, 49ers fans. I saw a lot of Cowboys fans where we're, our, our studio where to do in the pre and the post game from 
is on Tasman Drive, and so that's where the trains let out and everything. So you'd see a lot of Cowboys fans there, but I didn't think it was anywhere close to 40%. I thought it was maybe 20% as far as the atmosphere is concerned, but it was loud uh, ever since the 49ers have started to win. There was all those complaints at Levi about Levi Stadium at the beginning. It's because they weren't winning. I mean, you have to make a house a home, and if you don't win and there's no memories, then, then what is there? Um, they've won an NFC championship game there against the Packers. They've won a number of big games. This was another big playoff game win. So, you know, it's starting to get that way. Is it candlestick? No. Will it ever be candlestick? I don't know. you got to win a lot of Super Bowls, and you got to have a lot of big memories. And while they're making some, it's not anywhere close to Candlestick Park, but it's certainly not what people complained about at the beginning. So, it's you know, you got to win games there. House has got to become a home. So there's just one thought about uh, the game itself. But great atmosphere, I thought, today. Nice to not have the rain. We'll get into the uh, the Eagles in just a second. Again, hit me up at John Lund Radio. Give me your thoughts on the uh, chat line as well. Uh, ever going to see Jimmy in the postseason? Just curious. If there's an injury, uh, it sounds to me in talking to people down there that uh, Jimmy Garoppolo might be able to play. I don't know if he could play in an NFC Championship game if Brock Purdy was hurt. Uh, maybe the Super Bowl. But again, it's a what you have to realize too is this isn't Madden. So a guy comes off the injured list in Madden, right? We're playing Madden. And he's good to go, and he's as good as he's ever been. Remember Jimmy early in the season? He hadn't thrown in the entire offseason because he was rehabbing injury. Um, Trey Lance gets hurt. And, in the you know, he comes in in the uh, Seattle game, plays okay. And then the next week they play Denver, right? And he plays horribly. Well, why did he? Because he didn't have any reps. And you, you would think to yourself, well, Jimmy's been in this offense a long time, and Jimmy's a veteran. He hadn't played. He hadn't thrown in the entire offseason. Um, he didn't even have a playbook. He was just throwing and rehabbing and waiting to get traded. And, look, I'm not making an excuse for Jimmy Garoppolo. If you're on the field, you're expected to perform, but you can see why he didn't in that game. Well, now Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't played since, what, early in the Miami game? What week is that, 12, something like that? So now you're going to say, hey, Jimmy, you haven't played since week 12. Jump in in the NFC Championship game against the Eagles or jump in in the Super Bowl against the Chiefs or the Bengals, and re- and play well. Now, look, would I trust him more than Josh Johnson? Sure. But if you're asking, could he back up? I guess. You know, it wouldn't be the worst alternative. Is he going to start in place of Brock Purdy? No. Uh, Purdy struggled today. I think he understands the speed of really good teams now. And, you know, part of it is the 49ers didn't play a lot of good teams down the stretch. I'm not making an excuse. I'm not saying that the success is based on a weak schedule because – in the NFL, you're going to play tough teams every week. But he didn't play a defense like the Cowboys, and he's not going to have played a defense like the Eagles, and I don't know how much faster they can make things in practice. I mean, this is a really good defense, and they simulate things, but he doesn't play on the scout team. He'll play against this defense, but he won't play against the things that Philly does at Philly's speed. And they're faster than Dallas. They had 70 sacks. Dallas had 54. So it's a totally different – this is a much better defense than even Dallas, and they struggled. So everybody's got to step up their game, starting with the offensive line. They can't get off to the slow start that they did where it looked like the offensive line was overwhelmed and they just couldn't do anything. And they have to establish the run earlier. In the first half, they had 11 runs. In the second half, they had 19. They hit that magic number that Kyle likes to hit, 30 runs, 30-plus runs. His record is – he wins like 85% of the time. He gets 30-plus runs, and that's what he did against Philly. And I think that was the concerted effort in the second half to say, hey, let's take this off of Brock a little bit, and let's run the football. And that's what I thought they would do from the get-go because I thought Dallas was susceptible 
at running right at them, and then it tires them out, and that's eventually what happened. Will they do that against Philly? I mean, you're looking at guys like Javon Hargrave. You're looking at Fletcher Cox. You're looking at better defensive players than what Dallas did, and you're looking at a lot of speed. Now, having said that, and we're not, we'll go over it as the week goes on, like Dallas, though, they have a lot of aggressive defenders, and Kyle Shanahan will find a way with misdirection and other different things to potentially use their over-aggressiveness against them. But they know that. So that's the ultimate game of chess. Uh, what else do we have? Hit us up on the chat line. Uh, I hate the Dodgers more than the – I hate the Cowboys more than the Dodgers. We did a poll on KNBR on Friday, and I think the Dodgers did win that poll, and it really uh, wasn't that close. People are asking about the environment at the Link in Philadelphia, Lincoln Financial Field. Uh, I have not covered a game at Lincoln Financial Field, although I have covered many games in Philadelphia, uh, 76ers and, um, and Phillies. The fans are not overrated. They're going to be on the 49ers from the get-go. I'm not really concerned about that. If I had a concern, and I don't know yet, and we'll talk about it later on in the week in the podcast, I don't know when the 49ers are leave, or will leave. I asked Dennis Brown about this, who has a Super Bowl ring, of course, after the 94 season when the 49ers beat the Chargers. I asked Dennis after the game, or at, you know, off the air, after the, uh, after the post-game show tonight, what would happen? Like, are they going to leave early? Are they going to leave late? Do they want to get acclimated? He said normally during a trip, during the regular season, if you're going back east, you'd live on a, leave on a Friday. He said that probably just because they haven't been, you know, they've been at home so much in this last stretch that he thinks that maybe they'll leave on a Wednesday. Plus, the weather's a little bit different, a little cooler in Philadelphia. Uh, early look, there's going to be some rain this week, but it should be clear, but it's going to be like 29, 30 degrees. And us in California, if you're watching this somewhere else, we're thin-blooded and we're soft. I admit it. It just happens. I don't know how. I used to live in uh, Detroit. I used to live in Pittsburgh. I'm a West Coast guy, but I lived those places for my career. I could never go back. I could never go back to cold weather. I don't know. It's just cold. Like, uh, when I walked in here in my studio tonight, I think it said on the readout, like, 44 or something. That's cold to me. If you're watching in Philadelphia right now to try to get some insight on the 49ers, 44 is not cold to you. You'd be wearing shorts. You might be wearing a Speedo. You might be jumping into my pool. But uh, out here, that's not how it works. So I think they'll probably go early and get acclimated. I'll let you know as the uh, week progresses. 19-12, the uh, 49ers get the victory over the Cowboys, and we will get into the uh, discussion about the Eagles and getting ready. Let me just throw a couple of things. There's your starters from the uh, game tonight, and let me just go over a few guys. Uh, we'll look at the offensive line a little bit later in the week, but again, I think they were overwhelmed a little early. Let's talk about George Kittle. The catch that George Kittle made over the middle where he – Tipped it to himself about 10 times. was amazing. Um, I do think, and Brock Purdy said this before the last game, he did have five catches tonight for 95 yards, but I, just, I, I still think that he's so underutilized. And one of the things they could have done, I think, when they were getting beat up early and Dallas was uh, getting a lot of pressure on Brock Purdy, and you see this with Travis Kelsey all the time, uh, Travis Kelsey just does a kind of half-hearted block and then he releases, and, and Mahomes will just use him as an outlet constantly. The way that Kittle runs, I think they should do that. I mean, he's got to block a lot, but, man, get him in the passing game just in those little things too, especially when a team, if Philadelphia is going to get over-aggressive, have George block for a second, kick it to him. That's an automatic five, six, seven yards. Uh, Debo wasn't as uh, involved. I would imagine that uh, and Kyle did have a pretty conservative uh, run offense today and tonight, and I, I was a little bit surprised by that. 
I think uh, Debo will get more utilized. He'd have a couple catches as well, but I think he'll get more utilized in Philadelphia after they look at the film. Kyle Juszczyk had one uh, carry that got down to the goal line. Christian McCaffrey, as I told you, and this is something to monitor, he was just okay tonight. And again, I'm not ripping Christian McCaffrey. He's great. He was just okay. Uh, McCaffrey had a little bit of a calf issue at the end of the game, which is one of the reasons why Elijah Mitchell would have closed the game out anyway, but um, you would have probably had some more Christian McCaffrey in there. But he was dealing with a... Um, the calf issue. Uh, Ebicom was the one. Let's go to the defensive side. Ebicom was the one who blocked the uh, extra point. Uh, Brett Maher was having uh, quite a bit of trouble. Eric Armstead. I don't know what's going on with Armstead on the play at the goal line in which if he sacks Dak Prescott late in that game on their final drive and gets a safety there, then the game's over. I mean, it was over a couple of plays later anyway, but it was like Dak was in the end zone, kind of bullied, hit. Armstead, Armstead tried to take him up high rather than just grabbing him by the waist and throwing him down. But that was kind of a weird play. Nick Bosa shut out again. I mean, what you're starting to see with Nick Bosa is what we saw early in the season. Lots of chips, lots of hits, the backs, the tight ends. Uh, just trying to take Nick Bosa out. I would say just, again, it's nothing against Nick. But what I would say is that um, they need to get, other guys have to step up against Philadelphia. They 100% have to. Uh, one of the reasons why, too, sometimes Nick isn't going 100% is because they don't want to open up those lanes. They don't want him going so wide that it opens up those lanes for quarterbacks who can run, and that's going to be the same thing with with uh, Jalen Hurts. You just can't go out of control and get out of your rush lanes. That happened a couple of times. It happened right before the half, before Dak threw that interception. He got a nine-yard scramble on a third down. They got to stay in the rush lanes, uh, but they have to get other rushers besides Nick Bosa because this is what was happening earlier on in the season. He's getting so much attention, and they're just basically saying, can anybody else get to the quarterback? And for a lot of the night, no one could. Uh, linebackers, especially Warner and Greenlaw. Greenlaw had an opportunity in this game early with an interception on that final drive, dropped it. Uh, he had a dumb play along the sidelines. Ray had a late hit. He's done that a couple of times. you got to keep your composure against Philadelphia. Can't have those stupid penalties. Fred Warner was great. Great drops in the middle of the field. That's where we were talking about uh, Lamb and where he would be so good. Fred Warner was great in pass coverage. Uh, Demo Lenore got beat for a couple. He got beat for that deep one. He got a P.I. plus the 46 yards, which the P.I. doesn't matter if you catch the 46-yarder. Uh, Shavarius Ward bounced back, as he always does. Uh, Hafunga Gibson. Hafunga almost had a sack tonight, but didn't give up anything deep, and I think that's what the payoff is for him is, hey, be aggressive, make some plays, but don't be so aggressive that you give up the deep ball, and he didn't do that. So there's a cup. There's just kind of a... Uh, by the uh, depth chart, just a thought on each starter tonight. But uh, defensively, they were great. I mean, they absolutely were great tonight against the uh, Cowboys. Uh, at John Lundrady, will give me some thoughts. 19-12, to 12, the 49ers uh, beat the Cowboys. A fungo arriving, rising star, no doubt. Uh, quick thoughts about the Bengals game. Uh, the Bengals, to me, and thanks for the question, the Bengals, to me, are the equivalent of the 49ers. They're red hot. I don't mean that from a stylistic standpoint. Stay with me for a second. I mean it from a standpoint of they're red hot. Uh, they're the team that nobody wants to play. Remember early in the season, they had a bit of a uh, of a Super Bowl hangover. They couldn't get things together. I think at one point were they 3-4, and 4-3, four, four and three, something like that, and then they went on a long winning streak. And they really handled Buffalo. If you watch that game, they handled Buffalo in the snow quite easily today. Um, and... I think Buffalo, too, and, and, and look, congratulations on a great season. I think sometimes the emotion, and I talked to some people back there, the emotion of the DeMar Hamlin situation just became kind of too much. Like, they had just been so exhausted by it 
I think they, they were gassed, but I'm not taking anything away from Cincinnati. I, th- I just think Cincinnati is the hottest team in the AFC and playing great. And then in terms – so that's why I liken them to the 49ers. But the other way I liken them to the 49ers is when you have so many weapons, and then the difference is, look, Brock Purdy in, in, at some point may become an upper echelon quarterback, but Joe Burrow's already there. Burrow doesn't miss. He's confident, almost cocky. Uh, he's very accurate, got a great arm, and all of a sudden you're thrown to, to you know, Chase and T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd and even Hayden Hurst, their tight end is underrated, and Joe Mixon's really good. So all of a sudden it's kind of like the 49ers in, who do you stop? And Burrow is so pinpoint that all of a sudden you're looking at him. So their defense isn't quite what the 49ers is. In fact, it's not close. The Bengals' defense isn't what the 49ers' defense is. It's good enough. And they have so many offensive weapons, and Burrow is playing with such confidence. Their issue, main issue, is their offensive line is still beat up. And so can, can Kansas City with Frank Clark and Chris Jones is a monster inside. I mean, he's what you know, Aaron Jones had an off – or Aaron Jones. Aaron Donald was injured a lot this year. So just for one year, I'm not saying it for it all time or anything like that, Chris Jones is the best defensive tackle in the NFL this year. So with Clark and Jones and, you know, how will – can Cincinnati hold up well enough – to be able to make plays against Kansas City. They should be able to. And I actually think Cincinnati's going to upset Kansas City again, and there's going to be a lot of talk this week of you know, Cincinnati revenge and this and that. None of that stuff matters. You know, Dallas talked about revenge over the 49ers over and over and over again. Micah Parsons did. Dak Prescott did. You have to be able to play, and it's about matchups. And I think Cincinnati has some pretty good matchups. And on top of that, if you saw the game against Jacksonville, any other team that was left in the playoffs other than Jacksonville would have beat Kansas City on Saturday. It's just that Jacksonville was too young to do it. They had so many opportunities. And Mahomes didn't leave Arrowhead with a walking boot or anything like that. But that looked like a high ankle sprain to me. It looked nasty. Maybe he's okay. Maybe they dodged a bullet, did the did the Chiefs. But Mahomes still wasn't moving around great. Now, they're going to give him all sorts of, you know, he's not going to practice this week probably. They'll give him a ton of therapy and everything, and, and they can do miracle things, and they can certainly shoot it up if it's hurt. But the thing about Mahomes is, and what makes him so great, is there's a lot of things that make him great, but his movement skill makes him great. He rarely is drop back, one, two, three, hit back, foot, throw. I mean, he can do that. It's just that him moving and throwing from all those angles and doing all those things and and buying himself extra time and playing playground football, that's what that's what makes Patrick Mahomes Patrick Mahomes. And if he doesn't move like that, then Cincinnati is certainly good enough, much better than Jacksonville, and could could beat the uh could be Kansas City. That's on the other side of the uh, the bracket. Uh what else do we got? Uh officiating. I don't I don't really worry about officiating. Uh, somebody asked me about officiating. I don't worry about officiating. Um I thought it was fine. I mean the best thing you can say about officiating is you didn't notice it. I mean, where where were there some wrong calls? I mean, the 49ers got a couple of holding calls on uh, on the Cowboys uh, during their touchdown drive. That benefited them. Um, the Demo Lenore on the catch by uh, on the catch by uh, C.D. Lamb. I mean, I can look up the number of penalties. If you remember a year ago in this game, Dallas had 14 in the wild card game, and I think the 49ers had eight or nine. So in terms of you know, in terms of what the penalties were this year versus last year, they, they weren't even close. I didn't notice the officials. I didn't notice uh, anything out of the ordinary. I didn't, you know, I, I don't remember anything that was, that bothered me in terms of officials. But again, I think a lot of things uh, kind of even out in these kind of things. 
and I don't, I, I never, I very rarely, unless something is just this egregious, crazy thing, I just look at, I look at things like that as that's just part of the game, and you got to win a football game or whatever it is. Uh, Dallas had seven penalties for fifty yards. The Forty ers had three for thirty. So I didn't think that I didn't think it played a factor at all. Uh, just double checking on that. Uh, what else do we have? All right. Keep them coming. Those are some thoughts. Uh, again, it is Unleashed. Barry Sports Talk with me, John Lund from KMBR Radio in San Francisco. 19-12, to 12, the 49ers uh, beat the Cowboys. Give me, give me any of your thoughts. Hit me up on the comment line. Hit me up on the uh, chat line as we're hanging out late night talking about it. Now, I gave you the thoughts on the uh, 49ers. Again, I'll, if you're just joining in, I think the game was pretty fast for Brock Purdy. Uh, Kyle changed it to some smash-mouth football in the in the second half. Dallas got tired. They couldn't rush the passer like they did. They got four quarterback hits and two sacks on Brock Purdy in the first three possessions for the 49ers. Didn't touch him. No quarterback hits. No sacks the rest of the game. Uh, that's offensive line. That's Brock Purdy realizing, whoa, these guys are a lot faster than Seattle, especially when he tried that one where he scrambles out left. Yeah, he went, uh, okay, that's not going to work today. He, got, he understood that things had to be a lot faster. He did look hurried. He did look like a rookie at times. Key for Brock Purdy in this game did not turn the football over. Dak turned it over twice. We got bad Dak today, which is good for the 49ers. Elijah Mitchell down the stretch playing Mariano Rivera. He closed the game out north-south running, and the defense was phenomenal. This was uh, reminiscent of early in the season when the defense bailed out the offense. Defense was great today. Offense has to be better in uh, Philadelphia, and then Elijah Mitchell. You can't run out of bounds. Can't run out of bounds, man. Great closing. Loved it. Good job. You get around that corner, you pass that first down marker, you slide, and the game would have been over. I mean, maybe maybe Dallas has 10 seconds. They had 45. Still weren't going to score, uh, but still, you got to be smarter than that. And the only reason I bring these things up, Brock Purdy uh, needs to be better. Uh, Elijah Mitchell needs to be smarter and better. I mean, there's certain things – Defense can't give up big plays over the top like they've done all year and like they did to CeeDee Lamb. It's not a rip at any of those guys. It's just that as we continue to progress uh, progress throughout the playoffs, you don't get away with those excuses against the better team. So let's just say the next two weeks, let's say they win this game against Philly. you got to be better against Philly, more precise. you got to be better against Kansas City or Cincinnati. I mean, if you're going to win a championship, it is going to come down to one or two plays. Charles Amedi, who knocks the ball out against Seattle when it's 23-17 with two minutes left in the third quarter, it turns into a laugher. That was the play. You can do that all the time. Um, there were t- In the first half, uh, the injury to Tony Pollard followed by the interception on a bracketed C.D. Lamb in which Ward is in, or excuse me, uh, War- uh, yeah, Ward's in front of him, Warner's in back of him. Ward tips it, Warner catches it. That takes points off the board. What do you... He's bracketed. He wasn't he wasn't uh, open at all in the slightest. But yet those are. I mean, you can you can look at today and you can see two or three plays that change the game. Well, those two or three plays are the intricate plays of a game. Those are the details of a game, and that's where they got to get better. Uh, I know Brock this week, and they're gonna they'll work on certain things. But I think against Philadelphia, you got to do what you did in the second half against the Cowboys, which is run, 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 run. Establish your physical. Um, dominance over Philadelphia because that's what you have. They have speed and athleticism and all these kind of things. You run the football. That's what you do. And they did that in the second half. They took the pressure off Brock Purdy. They neutralized the rush defense and played their brand of, brand of football. Uh, as far as, again, as far as the Eagles last week, 
quicker reads, got to roll it, uh, got to run it. And you know this defensively, and this is what's going to be interesting. Uh, we talked about it this week with Dak Prescott, and really outside of there were two runs by Dak, but there was run really that was that would have been a killer had he not thrown that interception right before the half. Had the third and nine scramble, they got out of the rush lanes. That's really the only time that he hurt him. Jalen Hurts, they'll design runs. They'll do all sorts of things. They know that the 49ers will struggle against running quarterbacks. Everybody does. It's hard to account for them. So Jalen Hurts, who looked to me, and the, the Giants didn't really keep the game close enough, but it looked to me like Jalen Hurts was back to the guy pre-injury against the Bears with a shoulder. And the reason I'm saying that is because they ran design plays. He stayed in bounds on plays. He got hit on runs, and he didn't seem like any of it bothered him. So you're probably going to get as healthy, even though before the game, if you didn't watch the game yesterday, there were reports that said Jalen Hurts said he's not near 100%, but nobody is this time of year. So I don't know. Uh, is it, is, does it take one big hit and he's, you know, he's hurt again? He didn't play like it last week. Anyway, that's kind of a little bit of a preview. Got to control Jalen Hurts. Got to have quicker reads. Got to run the football, I think, a little bit earlier. Uh, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Miles Sander, Dallas Goddard. Those are the, again, you're going to run into. There's no uh, waltzing your way to a Super Bowl. There's not beating a bad team at this point. Cincinnati, Kansas City, Philadelphia, San Francisco, all good teams. Uh, the reason why I'm saying that is because this week we talked so much about the Dallas skill position players versus the 49ers skill position players. And now you look at Philadelphia with Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Miles Sander, Dallas Goddard. Uh, they got a couple of really good backs. Uh, Boston Scott. You know, you're not going to run into anybody that's that's not good. And Philadelphia, if they're on, they can do that. They had 70 sacks. Dallas had 54. So think about that. Philadelphia is even better than what Dallas is and even faster. Uh, hello. Thank you very much for uh, joining uh, Jalen Hurts going to be tough in the Niners secondary, uh, no doubt. I mean, it's just I think I think that they can do it. It's just it's a matter of discipline, really. And again, look, I didn't play the game, but I talked to Tim Ryan all the time. I didn't play the game, but I talked to Dennis Brown all the time. I mean, I've talked to I've done this for 25 years. I've talked to a ton of guys about it, and every one of them tells me the same thing. I say, how do you control a running quarterback? Rush lanes, rush lanes, discipline, rush lanes, discipline, rush lanes. So in other words. You're trying to get up the field and you're desperate to get to the quarterback, but you have a running quarterback who says, oh, okay, this guy's too wide. I'm going to go right through this crack. You know, Nick Bosa's trying to get around, and all of a sudden he's left this gap between the tackle here and he's going so wide that I've got this thing that I can just drive through. And that's what I'm talking about. So sometimes you may say, why isn't Nick just going balls out? Why isn't Because he's got a lane to protect. The interior guys have a lane to protect. And so against a quarterback who is that good at getting out of the pocket that's what they do and with Jalen Hurts even if he is hurt it's not so much how much he runs it's when he runs and that's what I was talking about this week with Dak Prescott had a third down tonight uh, inside the red zone for the 49ers we were at a break Tim Ryan turns around to me and says the 49ers talked all week long about discipline in run lanes they've got it watch it right here because Dak will run on this down Go back to it. They start calling it. Dak runs on the third and nine. Now he did a stupid thing and threw the interception and bailed the 49ers out. But Jalen Hurts will do that all day long. It's just a part of their offense. It's different. The, Dak doesn't want to run. Jalen Hurts will run as part of their offense. Um, any other questions? Any other thoughts? Uh, oh, kicker getting run into, but it wouldn't have given us first down. Yeah, that's true. Okay, that's one. 
But again, I, I what I'm saying about the officials is I just don't think there was any egregious plays that I would say uh, that cost him this or, you know, we have a controversy about that. I just – I didn't see any of that today. Again, if you're new to the, uh, the podcast today, I did pop up the uh, stats, but I'll do it one more time for you. As your stats. Again, Tony Pollard being out after only six carries in the first half was a killer. Uh, Dak, I'm on the Dallas side of things, 23 of 37, 206. It's the two interceptions. Uh, C.D. Lamb, he's their only real consistent receiver that Dak trusts. 13 targets, as you see there, 10 for 117. Did have the 46, and I'm not taking that off the board. I'm simply saying that in the other nine receptions that he has had, there was was very little effect. Dalton Schultz, I was uh, a little nervous about. He did get 10 targets. He got five for 27. Wasn't a big deal. Nobody else did anything, really. Uh, Elijah Mitchell, again, 14 for 51, closing things out. Christian McCaffrey, uh, 18 touches, 10 on the ground for 35. Wasn't overly effective, but again, 6 for 22, but had some plays in the passing game. George Kittle was the main target offensively, 5 for 95, including a the, uh, the kind of tip drill he tipped to himself that is going to be replayed over and over and over. I expect Debo to be better against Philadelphia. He had 8 touches, as you can see, 4 for 45 through the air, 4 for 11 on the ground. That's 8 for 56. Uh, they need more out of him. Kyle Juszczyk only had an eight-yard run, but remember, it got it down to the two-yard line. Juwan Jennings got a couple. He's usually better, and it's not his fault. I'm just simply saying that he's more of a third-down factor usually. Uh, I'm going to th- – well, let me do this in a second. There's your starters. I went through the starters a little bit earlier as well, but just you know, Ayuk is another guy that, that I think can do a little bit more against Philadelphia. And, again, I'm not blaming him. It's just certain teams will take certain things away. He kind of had a quiet night uh, tonight as well. Uh, offensively, I think Debo's going to have a bigger night. Uh, Kittle was great. I think he continues to do things. And again, I've talked about this a lot in the podcast and in the YouTube channel tonight. Purdy was overwhelmed a little bit. I don't think there's any question about it. The speed got to him a little bit uh, in today's game. Uh, did hit up the uh, Eagles a little bit. I'm trying to see if we've missed anything. Oh, here's one thing about Philadelphia. Impress your friends with this tomorrow. Uh, Jalen Hurts, now they've lost three games, but two of the three games... They had uh, Garner Minshew uh, in the game, and they looked nothing like the Philadelphia Eagles. The only loss, and this is good for the 49ers who forced a ton of turnovers. They were plus 13 on the year, which was number one in the NFL. Uh, the one loss that Philly had was a st- uh, with Jalen Hurts as a starter. They lost to Washington, and they committed four turnovers. Now, Washington committed two, but they were plus two. So they converted, committed four turnovers. Now, do they need four turnovers to beat Philadelphia? I mean, it would help. But I would say they need a couple, and I think they need to be probably plus one or two in the turnover margin. Philadelphia has to make mistakes. So put it on the ground, get an interception, whatever. The 49ers had 20 interceptions during the regular uh, regular season. They had one against Seattle, and they had two more tonight or today against Dallas. So 23 interceptions so far for the 49ers defense, which is clearly number one uh, in the NFL. They haven't played other than Mexico City, the 49ers, in the East time zone since October 16th versus Atlanta and the cold weather. Uh, It is, by the way, a noon start, noon Pacific. No, no, noon, uh, sorry, 3 Eastern, noon Pacific. Noon Pacific on Sunday is the time. Uh, I'm a little bit concerned about that. And and I told you this a little earlier. Dennis Brown told me that um, in the playoffs, always left for an East Coast trip on a Wednesday. So maybe they'll leave early. Maybe they'll get acclimated to time, acclimated to the weather. We'll find out. We haven't heard from Kyle, but we will hear from him and I'll play it for you on my KNBR show tomorrow on KNBR. And by the way, 
Uh, I uh, work with Greg Popper, the voice of the 49ers, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. on KMBR. So we'll do that for you Monday. We'll have the uh, Kyle Shanahan press conference, and you'll find out more on that. Now, let me give you one thing. Again, any more questions, comments, give me your thoughts. Let me pop something up for you. And, no, and nobody else is going to remember this, but um, I was talking to my son tonight. I was driving home from Santa Clara tonight in the game uh, after our postgame show. And my son go, my son tells me, and I shouldn't give that, I should just steal this and not even give him credit, but I will. My son's a, a broadcast student at the Cronkite School at uh, Arizona State, and, and he says, uh, do you know the last time that Jalen Hurts and Brock Purdy played? And I, then it, ring, it rung into my head, of course. Well, Brock, Brock Purdy played at Iowa State, and Jalen Hurts' his last year played his first few at Alabama, and then he played at Oklahoma. So they were in the same conference. November 9th, 2019. You ready for this? Nobody else is going to know this but you, and it's – Past midnight, so check this out. This is November 9th, <laughs> 2019. Get this. The last time Jalen Hurts, the starting quarterback of the Eagles, played Brock Purdy, the starting quarterback of the 49ers. November 9, 2019. Look at those numbers. Brock Purdy was 19 of 30 for 282 and five touchdowns. Jalen Hurts was 18 of 26, 273, three touchdowns. Hertz ran for a touchdown, as did Purdy. So Purdy was responsible for six touchdowns, five through the air. And Iowa State was down. You can see Iowa State there. If you look at the box score at the top or the final score at the top, they were down 35-14 at the half. They were down 42-21 going into the fourth quarter. And Purdy led him to 20 points in the fourth quarter. And with 24 seconds left, they tied the game. And Iowa State, instead of kicking the extra point, and tomorrow, I just did a, a, a reel in which I edited these highlights. So tomorrow, I'll put this on the, uh, the podcast and on the uh, YouTube channel tomorrow. But uh, they went for two down 42-41 in Norman at Oklahoma. They were down 42-41 with 24 seconds left in the game. And Iowa State... Uh, and Purdy threw an interception on the two-point conversion, and they lost to Oklahoma 42-41, November 9th, 2019. Purdy again, 19-32-82, five touchdowns and ran for one, so he had six total. Hurts 18-26, 273, three touchdowns through the air, and one on the ground. By the way, his main receiver in that game was C.D. Lamb, and I don't have the graphic for you. I, maybe I can grab it. But uh, CeeDee Lamb was his main receiver, and CeeDee Lamb had like six catches for 160 yards and like three touchdowns. November 9, 2019. Are you impressed by that? That's the last time these two two quarterbacks, Purdy and Hurts, met. So now you know. Now you're impressed. You're like, whoa. Yeah, Purdy had five touchdowns through the air, uh, Salty, but he also had one on the ground. So anyway, there you go. Tomorrow you can go, hey, you know when these two guys met. If you would give me credit, I would really appreciate that. You don't have to. But there you go. They met November 9, 2019. Check out that graphic. Purdy versus Hertz. So hopefully it's uh, hopefully it's better than that. But look at that 20 nothing in the fourth quarter. How about Purdy coming back? They were down, again, they were down 35-14 and a half, 42-21 through three. Purdy scored. Purdy in the Cyclone scored 20, went for two, didn't get it. So there you go. That's the last time these two teams met, or two quarterbacks met. So be impressed by that. All right? I gave everything I got. All right, there you go. Uh, any questions, comments, thoughts? Thanks for hanging out tonight. I appreciate you coming in late night. I figured, why not? Let's do a little late night talk. 49ers win it 19-12 to over the Dallas Cowboys. Not the prettiest, but I have a philosophy. I told you at the beginning of the 
of the podcast and of the uh, YouTube channel in the live chat that I had a philosophy. The philosophy is survive in advance. So many people in the post-game show tonight were saying, well, they, the 49ers have to be better at this, and the 49ers have to be better at that. And, the 49ers, and they do. There's no question about it. But because they only scored 19 against Dallas, does it not mean that even though Philadelphia has a better defense, in my opinion, that they're only going to score 19 against Philly or that Philly's only going to score 12 like Dallas? You just don't know. Every game has its own and separate DNA. Uh, Philadelphia, uh, you know, beat Washington once, lost to them once, same team. You, know, you just don't know. I mean, you just, you just don't know. You know, certain things are going to happen. We saw tonight. Who knew Dak was going to throw two picks? Who knew that uh, Ray Ray was going to to fumble inside of his own 10? Like, just every play like that, you missed this throw, you got that throw. I mean, it, George Kittle tips the one to himself. Nine times out of ten, that's a drop. So, I mean, you just one play can make the difference in games. It can change games, turn games. You just don't know how it's going to be. So, do they have to be better? Does Brock Purdy is Brock Purdy now better conditioned because he saw the speed of Dallas? And even though it'll be a little bit faster, even with Philadelphia next week, is he going to be better conditioned? Is Kyle Shanahan going to say, "Okay, I saw where he's weak," or I saw that maybe it's too fast for him? He adjusted to the second half more of that power running game to take it off of Brock's hands. Is that more what they do at the beginning? So we have a whole week to assess Philadelphia, but the bottom line is for a night, and I'm a big believer in this, especially as a fan, you know, it's the playoffs. It's like, oh, like just relax, enjoy it. You beat Dallas, you know? It's the ninth time these two teams have met in the playoffs, which is tied for most all time between two franchises. The 49ers and the Packers is the other. The uh, Cowboys and the Vikings is the other. So three teams have met nine times now in the playoffs. 49ers and Cowboys are one of them. So enjoy the win, just like the team. You know, Kyle was saying, after the game, just enjoy the win. And then tomorrow you get after it, and you want to get to the Super Bowl in Arizona and all those different things. But for a night, you beat Dallas 19-12. to It was good enough. The defense was good. You got enough turnovers, made enough plays. And the 49ers are taking on the Eagles now in the NFC Championship game. So thanks for hanging out. Thanks for all the questions. Did I miss anything? Anything else? Uh uh, listening now, hold my question to Philly game. Yeah, so here's what I'll do. So we'll have a live chat unless anything uh, happens that I have to have an emergency chat. We'll do a, a live chat on Wednesday, so have some questions for that. I will put out podcasts and YouTube channel broadcast every day this week for uh, the 49ers and the Eagles. We'll get into a ton of that. If there's anything with the Giants, we'll get into that. Anything with the Warriors, we'll get into that. We do all the Bay Area sports. And look, if there's anything that's national that I like to talk about, I'll talk about anything. Uh, give me your thoughts, comments, thoughts, whatever, any questions, anything you want me to talk about, do that. Hit me up in the comments or at John Lund Radio on Twitter and Instagram. And make sure you check out my show on at KMBR with the voice of the 49ers, Great Papa, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. each weekday. And uh, because uh, I was asked in this uh, chat to get Pop on the, sh- on the show this week, I will. I'll tell you, I'll tell you tomorrow. How about that? I haven't talked. I didn't talk to him tonight after the game. Just briefly, I just wanted to know how nuts he went when um, when Elijah Mitchell went out of bounds. That's the only thing I asked him after the game. I walked down to the broadcast booth and I go, "Hey man, how nuts did you go when Elijah went out of bounds?" He went nuts. Oh, CMC's injury, ankle, calf. Any updates? Uh, it's a calf, is what I was told after the game, and they don't seem overly concerned about it. And one thing, since you brought it up, thank you very much, Salty, for bringing up uh, McCaffrey's injury. Is it amazing? Is it just me, or is it amazing that weeks, what, one through 10, one through eight, whatever, all we can do, well, not all we can do, but we talk a ton about injuries. Oh my God, this is the most injured team in the league. Why can't they get healthy? And then all of a sudden, 
Like, they flip a switch. They did the same thing last year, and then nobody gets hurt. It's like, uh, and I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to jinx anybody. But, I mean, and, and again, look, McCaffrey's got a calf. For this time of the year, they don't seem to be overly concerned about it. So I'm not overly concerned about it. But Charles Amenehu left the game in the first quarter. Oblique injury, and I was thinking, oh, they can't use a, they can't lose a Amenehu. And then he came back in the second quarter and continued to play. So, look, guys are going to get banged up, bruised, everything else. The Cowboys lost Tony Pollard to, to a broken fibula in the second quarter. It changed everything for them. And I'm not saying the 49ers can't have an injury, but, I mean, relatively speaking, I mean, Debo was out for a little bit, Mitchell obviously, but at this point of the season to be as healthy as they are, and, I, and look, everybody's banged up, nobody's 100%, but to be as relatively healthy as the 49ers are at this point of the season, that's pretty damn uh, amazing given early in the season. And, again, they seem to always get hurt early in the season. And then they tend, as the season to go on, to, to kind of get healthy. And that's that's kind of what's going on with the 49ers. But thanks for the question on on McCaffrey. It seems like it's a calf. I was told it was a calf, and they say that uh, they say that uh, he should be okay. So that's what, it is, that's what it is on the latest. All right, that is the uh, live chat. Again, thanks for hanging out. 19 to 12, as I said there, not a purdy win. Uh, good as gold. Robbie Gold, I didn't mention Robbie today. Great job, Robbie. He's just automatic. Never missed a postseason kick whether it be an extra point or field goal. And, again, they got the one touchdown today, and then they got four field goals from Robbie Gold, and uh, he just doesn't miss. And then we did a little bit on the Philly preview. But we just touched the treetops on Philly. We'll talk a ton on Philly. I'll get some guys on the podcast and on the YouTube channel uh, talking about Eagles football as well. So keep it right here. Listen all week. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your favorite podcast, Apple, Spotify. And if you haven't – subscribed on the YouTube channel, please do that as well. I put out shorts. We do a, a chat every Wednesday, or we may do more this week. Stay tuned because it is the NFC Championship game after all, so maybe we'll do a couple of more chats uh, on Eagles 49ers as well. If you want to do them, just hit me up, whether it be the comment section or at John Lund Radio on Twitter. And if you want to do a, uh, a chat, then we'll do some more chats this week as well. So there you go. All right. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for uh, listening all day long. Had a great time at Levi's Stadium today. 49ers win it 19-12 to uh, over the Cowboys. We'll talk all week long about the uh, Philadelphia Eagles as the uh, week progresses. It's John Lund, Unleashed, various sports talk only on the Locked On Podcast Network. See you tomorrow on KNBR. Listen up tomorrow on KNBR with Papa and I, 10-2, to 2, only on the Sports Leader. Have a good night.